All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 288 of the Pacific Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, and today it's just me and Daniel. Daniel, good to see you. Thank you for staying up late. Yeah, no problem. Just, we're uh, on holiday, so, so it's no problem. We're not on holiday. and I No, was, it seems like you don't have a lot of holidays over there. No, we, we still no. believe in slave labor and no yeah. holidays, no fun, no health care. Um, yeah, pretty yeah. much. And I've had no health care this week, actually. Uh, my son's got the full-blown flu, went down to the clinic oh. and like to get him checked out. And they're like, do you have insurance? Yeah, of course we do. This is the clinic we've come to for 15 years. Well, it had changed providers. And they're like, oh, we don't accept your insurance anymore. So yeah, It seems to be a jungle out there when it comes to insurance uh, insurances in, in America. Yeah, it always boggles the mind that you can have insurance, yep. but it's worthless unless you're in the right place. And then the clinic now for uh, this is like out of hours is all the way across town in a place no one really wants to go. Um, yeah. A very inconvenient place, but whatever. You know, he's he's getting better and, uh, you know, obviously got fed well That's yesterday. Yeah. I just so, watched the uh, I just watched the, the Rainmaker yesterday, actually, that. That's a kind of a cool film from the 90s that deals with insurances in, in, in America and how the uh, big corporations, uh, you know, take advantage of the poor people. Yeah, that's why an aspirin uh, in hospitals. Yeah, it still goes on. Your aspirin yeah. in a hospital costs you $900. And, you know, <sighs> what? If, if there was an easy solution, I'm sure someone would have figured it out. But there is no easy solution because, again, it's got corporations, lobbyists, and a lot of money involved, whereas most people just want their health care. But, uh, you know, this this show is not politics. I, I ban politics on the board. I probably a good thing these days but uh let's talk a little bit of kiss and obviously in the last month you know our last episode we were uh what did we do we did the uh top opening tracks and we got called out and ken rightfully pointed out that he had picked i want you and it hadn't made the list i had i want you on my list but uh, it didn't make it i think i was the only one who had i want you yeah. And it is a really good song. There's yeah. no doubt about it. I mean, they're tough very, competition. Tough competition. You know, I completely forgot Killers. You know, and uh, yeah, I'm a legend tonight. I always yeah, that's a that. cool yeah, yeah, that's but a good it, one as well. Didn't even make my radar. But again, yeah. Kiss has always been very good at selecting opening tracks on their own, other than Fanfare. Uh, on yeah, the original yeah, yeah. version of The Elder. Uh, but uh, really I saw someone. Yeah, someone suggested we should do the, the bottom 10 opening tracks, but I, I can't think of <laughs> That'll be even horror because they're, uh, uh, aside from Fanfare, I think all of them are good. I, so, I think it'd be interesting to actually rank your yeah. least favorite, you know, because yeah. it's, not, it's not the worst. It's, you know, these yeah. are the ones that I are really way down my list. Well, which ones are they? And especially for those of us who kind of like became fans in the 80s, that was totally yeah. skewed, that episode, you know, with three asylumites, um, yeah. you know, kind of on like there, <laughs> you know, and, and Lonnie in revenge. But you, you get someone like Ken or someone who became a fan in the originals era, and a lot of theirs are going to be obviously those albums that meant the most to them as they were living them and that have kind of grown yeah. in stature in their head. So, so interesting. I just met a guy. Um, I went to university in a, in a town called Växjö here in Sweden. And uh, I met this guy who it's always fun to meet a Chiss fan, you know, that you haven't met before. And he actually, he loved Unmasked. That was his first album. And uh, uh, he couldn't stand rock and roll over. So it's, you know, people, uh, I think, uh, I, I told him, you, you, you're kind of a unique guy, you know, hating rock and roll over. He couldn't list to rock and roll over, but he loved Unmasked, so it's all good, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing I think people need to always remember, is every KISS fan is unique, 
every Kiss fan has a unique history. Um, you know, it's like politics or any of the other garbage that you can discuss. Everyone's got their own perspectives. And when you start trying to say, well, your opinion's wrong or you're an idiot because you love the oath as an opening track, you, you just kind of lose track of how everyone got into Kiss and where well, Kiss has been in their stories along their lives. Yeah. I guess that's correct, but I—I uh, I mean, the oath over a lot of the others, I wouldn't agree with that. But it's okay; everyone's entitled to their opinion. I know it, it was on uh, my list again because you know yeah, part of part of yeah, it was more. It's a good more, track. It's a good track. More the story, and some of it is when you sit down and you actually think about these topics. You're like, well. What's my context for that? What's my story? Mm -hmm. And then you pick something that if we were just sitting in a bar having a couple of beers, you know, might be completely different. That's the whole whole weird thing about when you kind of sit down and you think about it too much. Sometimes you do throw in the oath because you're all of a sudden the story makes you makes you feel fuzzier than I want you. And that's just the weird stuff. All right, so in Kiss World, what's going on? Obviously, this afternoon, new video has leaked for the masses, for the peasants who haven't already enjoyed this for years. It's the first night of Coventry, which when you read Kiss Alive Forever, um, they mention how the tape was overwritten um, with the second night, and only two, a one-and-a-bit song survives. So you have Deuce, the opening track. You've got a lot of silence at the beginning of the video, and then the, the it's a different angle, of course, than the other version uh, the following night, obviously. And then there's a bit of cold gin left. So, a- again, now it's the earliest footage of Kiss to now circulate. Um, you saw that today for the first yeah. time. What was your your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's just cool. I, I think the guy who leaked it was one of the authors of Partners in Crime. Uh, not Carl, but the other guy. So I don't know why he did that, but uh, he always likes to share his findings, and I love it. Uh, a few months back, he shared uh, his own, you know, like his holy grail, and that was discovering, uh, I think it was like seven minutes from Stockholm 84 on the Animalize tour. He, he discovered that by himself and, you know, uh, put uh, the correct sound to, to the video. And then he just put it out on YouTube. And guys like me, we like that. But uh, I guess if, if you had that, uh, bought that thing yourself, it's not as fun. But uh, this one from, uh, is it Coventry or is it the other diplomat, which... It, it was the Coventry, yeah. Coventry, the Coventry, yeah. Uh, really cool. And... Uh, Sound was great, and the picture was actually pretty good as well. So I, I haven't watched. I just started watching it when 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 we started this show. So I haven't seen all of it yet, but it looks really cool. And I think a lot of a lot of Kiss fans will will see this as their best Christmas gift. Yeah, and please don't buy it from Archer. I mean, that guy is just a parasite. He sells everything. Another new show has started circulating as well. Less interesting than obviously 1973 vintage kiss and makeup uh, footage. It's an audio of, uh, where was it? Greensboro, North Carolina, 1985. So December, I think it's December 29th. And that's up on Dime. And now I think Guitars 101. There's links. Don't buy it. Come on, people. Don't be stupid. It's out there for free. Um, And when you buy the shit, it just, well, it's stealing from the band and is never good mojo. But, you know, the commentary footage, I've had it for many years. And what I always loved about it was, again, what Jeff and Kurt pointed out about it, was in the original footage, if you slow it down, there's a little, like, blip that occurs on the tape when an even older uh, bit of video of them actually rehearsing without makeup there's like 19 frames of that that you can put together into a composite and see the whole band from a side angle without makeup sometime earlier that year. Um, and probably the previous month or something would be my guess if they were reusing tapes on a nearly daily basis. And that was kind of the more interesting thing for me, you know, throwing it into video editing software, taking each one of those frames and kind of building up the image i put it in one of the versions of on tour so that was again pointed out by kurt and jeff and kiss alive forever and that that footage you know was part of i think of uh, what was 
Kiss obtained for Kissology, but they only used the uh, the full show without the issue. So very cool that people get to hear it. I think they also mentioned another interesting point for debate that the album was going to be coming out on January the 25th. Now every year when people celebrate the album on February the 8th, February the 18th, and everyone gets upset, well there was an original release date mentioned, but there's also documentation that suggests that the track order changed. I think on December 26th so days after this so i don't know what role that plays there's probably more memos available to someone again so the album was definitely aimed for the end of january something happened it came out a couple weeks later so interesting stuff like that check it out it's up on youtube someone's already destroyed the video and like making it really bright and pixelated um so there's a few different versions out there look on facebook that's where it originally came from uh, very excited obviously that other people get to to share in it i didn't pay for it so that's one of the ones that I had no, I'm I'm not burned. I just kept it private as uh, you know. I gave my word that I would, and just uh, used the um, the image grabs, and that was it. So everyone gets to see it now, and they'll be they'll have forgotten about it in a day, as it's no longer legendary. All right. So what else we've got happening this month? Obviously, David Lee Roth was announced as going to be opening up some shows on the end of the road tour what was like your initial reaction and impression of that and have you ever seen david lee ross solo i haven't seen him solo no i haven't uh, i've seen Sammy hager solo but 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 not uh not this guy uh well i think i know you appreciated the painter i think you gave him like uh, it was okay i never saw the painter but uh, for me anything but a painter has to be a step in the right direction. Uh, I, I would like, you know, a real band opening up like in the old days. I mean, you get, uh, you get going and, uh, you, you, you build up, uh, the, the feel for the show and everything. I don't get that from watching a painter. I think <clears throat> last time I watched Kiss was uh, at a festival. Um, and that's kind of the same thing. You go and watch, watch a band prior to Kiss and then you go and see Kiss. I like the build up with uh, 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 an opening act. <clears throat> and, but this uh, David Lee Roth guy, I mean, have you seen his podcast or listened to it? Uh, he's way out there. <laughs> he seems like a really interesting guy. Uh, and I've seen a few clips of him rehearsing for the tour, and he's still got the shots when it comes to the physical things. I mean, he can kick straight up in the air and do the jumps and everything, <clears throat> but he can't sing anymore. But really, David Lee Roth was never a good singer, so I think yeah, it will be fun. I think it will be fun. And uh, I, it's in the same vein as, as the Kiss music, so I think it suits Kiss well. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's an entertainer, and yeah. that, was my, that was kind of the first question I asked: Is he singing or is he doing stand-up comedy? Because if you've ever heard his <laughs> podcast or you hear him on some interviews, he is special to say the least. Yeah. So I could take either. If we're going from David Garibaldi, the artist, to David Lee Roth, the stand-up artist, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, and God knows where that show's going to end. It could end up like Andrew Dice Clay, or who knows what it could end up like. Um, I love David Lee Roth. That was the first concert I ever went to, January 1987, Binghamton, Broome County Arena, Tesla opening. Um, so I, I've got got a little bit of a soft spot for him and his solo band because you know I kept buying his albums up through. I think the last one I had was Diamond Dave, which had some really good stuff on it. Um, David Lee Roth band, DLR band, which had John Five on guitar, was also highly thought of. I liked what I've heard of that. I hate Skyscraper with a passion, um, but uh, Eat 'Em and Smile. Fantastic album. I was just hoping, you know, maybe anniversary of uh, Billy Sheehan, Bissonette, Steve Vai doing Eat 'em and Smile, but he can't sing. And like you said, he never was a great singer anyway. But you know what? If it helps sell tickets and they need a little bit of help to get someone, I think it's a great combination. Uh, you, you, you've got, again, you're not getting Van Halen. No. So why not? And if David Garibaldi, I have no idea if he's still on 
there. I missed him at most of the shows I went to just because I was doing other things. I only got to see him paint once. I thought it was perfectly fine, perfectly entertaining. He was very engaging. I thought he did a great job. Would I prefer a traditional opening act? Oh, yeah, of course, if they had the right one. But I've very seldom cared about who opens for Kiss. I think Saliva I enjoyed when they opened, but for the most part, I don't care. So we'll have to see how it goes. What kind of material do you think he will do? Will there be a lot of Van Halen stuff, or will he focus on his solo material? I hope he just focuses on the stuff that he can do half decently. (laughs) <laughs> and, and maybe stay away from okay. some of the stuff that he his voice. But it has to do like he has to do like Panama and stuff like that. Don't I, you think? I I would hope that he does a few yeah. of those big Van Halen hits. But again, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to him since oh. DLR band, which what was that nineties and Diamond Dave. I don't even remember when that came out. So I don't know what he's been doing in his solo act. Which is why I'm interested, because I, I don't follow him. I don't care. I've heard some episodes of his podcast, usually when they're outrageous and they make blabbermouth um, or someone draws attention to them. So I'm going in there somewhat ignorant. I would hope Panama would be in there, but if he can do it, I would hope Jump is in there. Um, mean Streets, Unchained, mm. Yankee Rose. Yeah, I think it would be a great opening act for Kiss. Yeah, California Girls, Just a Gigolo. Yeah. I'd take that. Yeah, if, he, yeah. if he wants to do kind of the lounge, uh, mm-hmm. David Lee Roth, I would be down with that as well. Again, some of the stuff on uh, on Diamond Dave was kind of more the bluesy side or loungy side. So, you know, wait and see. It'd be, be interesting. I don't think that rehearsal video does <laughs> much to really get anyone that excited about him being no. added to it. But he's got a couple of months to prepare, or now only a month. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. All right, 2019 recap, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Where do we start with that? I mean, what was, I guess, your high point for the year? What's the one thing Kiss has done or the things that Kiss have done that have made you happy this year? Well, if we... Think of KISS as KISS and all the former members of KISS. To me, the, uh, of course, the Bruce Kulik concert stands out. Um, also because I'm an 80s KISS fan, you know. As you said, the first albums we listened to were the albums from the mid-80s. And just to hear those songs performed by that band was awesome, even though I wasn't there. Uh, it gave me goosebumps. And I can't remember the last, well, I guess the last time was the previous concerts by, by Bruce Kulik. I had good goosebumps as well. And it's too bad they, they don't do anything more with, with that. Maybe after Kiss ends and there are no more cruises, he, he's able to, to do more of that stuff because, uh, um, it was truly awesome. Uh, so that was one of the, better things that happened this year. And then, of course, attending KISS concerts. Uh, I saw them in Trondheim. It's always a rush, even though we all know the problems the band has today. Still a great show. Um, the crowd was into it, and I liked the set list. And, uh, so, so those two things stand out for me. Uh, uh, the live concert I, I watched and... Uh, Bruce Kulik, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess similarly, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed Bruce's, you know, performances that he's done on the cruise, and I'm glad I was there in person for one. But I'm also glad that people film everything these days because you do get to enjoy the things that you otherwise would only hear about or maybe see little bits and pieces of. So thoroughly enjoyed that. I'm glad or at least I think he's mentioned that he might like to do something with his band, which, you know, would be very interesting. And I, I would be very positive about that because, you know, when we, we talk about some of the stuff from the past decade, his last solo album proper, BK3, came out in February 2010. That was his official release date, right at the beginning of this decade that's about to end. So... Bruce, 
We need some more Bruce Solo <laughs> material, or we need some Bruce material as part of a proper band. You know, yeah. him on every single track. I would just love for him to do more. Then from the year, obviously, is also the Kiss the Kiss concerts, the entertainment, the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And obviously hanging out with friends and meeting new people um, at so many of these shows. But getting to go to some of the kind of these holy sites, Madison Square Garden and seeing Kiss in New York City was a big deal for me. Obviously, they're a New York band, and I spent 10 years in the um, 78 to 88 living in upstate New York. So finally seeing them in my home state was meant a lot to me, even though I haven't been back there since 1992. Um, seeing opening night of a tour, again, the first time I did that since Psycho Circus Tour. Um, going up to Vancouver and not knowing what the show was like, not knowing what this, well, I had been on the cruise, so I knew what the set was going to be, unfortunately. But uh, getting to witness all the show and the elements in person for the first time before it had been all over YouTube was great. No one could ruin the surprise for me, except for myself, by peeking at Keith LaRue's <laughs> videos. Um, and then going to the LA Forum, again, massively important venue out here, especially to history with them recording a live too there. So... Sacramento. That was uh, that was where I did the guitar experience with Tommy Thayer, which was absolutely fantastic. Thoroughly, thoroughly worth it. And again, a very high point to pick up an ex a white Explorer, which I've always wanted, and to get Tommy's signature model. Um, so the shows themselves. I didn't get bored of this set list. I know we analyze and microanalyze and say, well, they could do this, they could do that. I wasn't sick of it through those times that I saw it. The only time I got mad about a Kiss show this year was when they postponed Oakland. It made me wait until March, so probably just as well. So I've thoroughly enjoyed the show this year. I've enjoyed watching everyone else's shows as they've progressed around the world. I wasn't any more bored listening to the shows in Japan this past, well, what was it? 10 days ago they just wrapped up there so it, it's been a very expensive year for concerts for me. <laughs> uh, but uh will you go and see them uh, once more i'm i'm going to the stockholm concerts this summer so i'm, I'm going another, uh, one more time and you talked about going to the final show a little bit i don't know will you, I have, will you do I, that no i have no interest right you have now. no interest in that going oh. to the final show because I think it's just going to be such a poser fest of hangers on and, and douchebags with egos <laughs> and it's going to be okay. horrendously expensive and all the tickets, yeah. unless they can find a way to sell tickets fairly so that everything doesn't just go on sale and end up on StubHub or some secondary market. That is annoying. I would rather they sell golden tickets themselves so that you, if you can afford a decent ticket, then you are guaranteed to get one and not get gouged on the secondary market because Ticketmaster or some other entity has robo-purchased all the tickets. Um, but I, I, I just think those first like dozen rows would just be full of fake people, uh, you know, and right. I, I just don't like the idea of, uh -huh. you know, this is the final show. And I'm also a bit of a doubter that I, that we, we don't get a year later and, oh, a casino. Kiss acoustic, mm. no makeup. Casino run. Mm. Um, yeah. But but we also have to give props to Kiss for actually putting some effort into the show this time around. Because for many years they, they didn't do much. When I think of this decade, the two things that stands out when it comes to shows, it's this one and probably the spider stage. I think that was kind of a cool... Uh, effort uh, a nice try to to do something differently because for a long time the stage shows were very similar so so i think they uh, you know they, they put in the extra effort and it shows yeah yeah, I was really thrilled with what they did for the end of the road. They finally made yeah. an effort. They started thinking outside the box and brought in ideas that for a Kiss show were new. I don't care if Nikki Six is mad that they stole the cherry pickers that Nikki Six originally stole from Kiss, who had cherry pickers in 1977, but just hung them from the roof. I mean, come on. 
nothing nothing in rock and roll is original it's all been ripped off and reimagined and ripped off again so kiss made the show good i love the amount of pyro and fire incorporated into the show i love the little elements that were like a hearkening back to an earlier era even if it's you know eric singer miming piano but on the a piano that looks like the one on the paul lynn special or sam the serpent spewing foam or or what is it fog on stage and and all those little things i thought that attention to detail was wonderful i thought incorporating all the video into the background and having a video display that wasn't just the gratuitous big screen behind them it actually seemed to serve more of a purpose this time around and thank god it wasn't a spider it worked these uh pods uh, that they come down from the uh the ceiling at the beginning of the show and gene goes back up on you know had video screens on them as well so they they really did a great job of putting a fantastic show together yeah but but i do i, I did like the spider thing even though it, it malfunctioned quite a bit but i think it was a cool idea and it also you know kind of paid homage to the early days when they had the the spider thing as a backdrop. So uh, I thought that one was cool as well. Other than that, uh, that's, there's not a whole lot that stands out from this decade when it comes to uh, the shows. Uh, I think those two are the ones that stands out for me. Yeah, I think the other ones that stand out for me were the Sonic Boom ones. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. The, the ones that bled over into 2010. So again, yeah. right at the start, I, I'd seen most of mine in 2009, but some of the early ones when they were still supporting new albums, I, I think stood out mainly because, especially the, the dates in South America in 2012, when they were putting five songs from monster into the set and boring the audience to death with them. <laughs> um, I found that very, I found that musically very entertaining that they were brave enough to try it, even if it didn't work out. Yeah, the, the Sonic Boom tour over Europe was really good. I, I was attending that one, and I thought that would be my final Kiss tour, but uh, it wasn't. But um, I remember them playing, I think they only played like three songs from Sonic Boom on that tour, and I went to that concert with my girlfriend and she went out when they played I'm an animal and she always calls that song I'm a snail because she she thought it was so slow and boring and well it really didn't work like no it was horrendous um, yeah but again at least they kept trying and you know yes yeah. and I think in this past year We've had some more songs from that album performed live, finally, by Gene. So it, it's all good. And the crew was, which cruise was it where they did, was it this recent year? I can't remember. Um, but it's improved towards the end of this decade. They're doing better on tour than they've done for the whole of the decade. I don't think the spider worked. It looked nice, but it really didn't have a whole lot of purpose. I've, at the shows I've been to, primarily seen basically something that looks like a lighting truss that's fallen on the stage. And it's just been like a wall of amps and occasionally some metal piping. So it's been very unimpressive. I think the high point for me was probably the Motley Crew, uh, the tour with the crew, because it really felt like Motley made kiss perform better so i enjoyed those shows tremendously what was that 2012 before uh and of course they were doing hell or Halla. no not hell yeah hell or hallelujah for that tour it was uh before the album even came out so there was a new song in the set um but one decade all they've released is one album monster yeah You've, what else have we had? We've had The Vault. We've had a glut of vinyl this year. How much of that vinyl have you, has interested you? Because you know they're going to do more next year. No, uh, it doesn't interest me at all. So you're asking the wrong guy. I just went through my old vinyl today and, and looked at the, what's it called? Serial number or whatever it's called. So, so just to see when and where they were produced. So I haven't done that, even though I've had the albums for 
25 years or something. So, so that really tells you that I'm not really into vinyl and collecting that kind of stuff. But I think it's cool that they do it. And, uh, doing something with the music is always interesting in, in some shape or form because uh, a lot of times they, they get lost in all the merchandising and release a lot of crap, you know, ugly looking dolls and whatever. Uh, all kinds of stuff. So I think it's good that they f- they're focusing on the music. Uh, and I know many fans do like the vinyl uh, re-releases. So um, I think it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. But this is kind of the year that my passion for vinyl finally died. I've been I've got a stack of vinyl that I've been pricing. I, I, I'm late listing it, listing it. So if anyone saw my post where I said I was going to be listing this stuff, I apologize for not getting around to it. But I had to see what it, kind of the market prices are for most of them as they're all autographed. And um, I, I just don't care anymore. Each one of the I didn't buy the hotter than hell colored vinyl or the hot in the shade oh, or the Walmart orange. I, I just don't care anymore i went into my hysteria set i was like i was like geez it it just doesn't mean anything to me anymore it really is the music i was excited when the metal hammer little seven inch singles came out and they've they're up in a box in the, from hmm. still in the original thing that the person mailed them to me to and i'm gonna list oh. those as well i just I no longer care. I know there'll be more next year, and I don't care. But that being said, I was very impressed by Universal in Germany. The double platinum silver vinyl is very nice. I will enjoy selling that. It looked great. Um, The Splatter Best of the Solo albums looked fantastic. You know, So I, I was impressed by some of the things that they've done in terms of the ideas, but could not give a shit about keeping it so i will get 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 my act together and get those listed soon music wise again we, we both kind of said said that it was exciting when new music came out today at least so i just hope that continues to be the case next year i know there's a couple of shows that are possibly going to surface which should be very exciting um Vinny, of course was selling shows or offering for sale shows that he'd recorded during the tour. So who knows if any of those will make it out. They won't be soundboards, from what I understand. They're just boombox on the side of the stage, so God knows what they sound like. Prospect of, again, Bruce making new music. Um, I'll, t- I'll take anything. Ace has yeah. Origins 2 coming out, so I'm really yeah. looking forward to that. I hope Peter decides that he wants to do something. That would make me very happy next year. And Peter, again, let's talk about the decade. Favorite memory of the whole decade, because for me, Peter Chris, who yeah, just mentioned, I is that one memory for the whole decade that wins hands down. Yeah, uh, but, but I think we should talk a little bit about the albums from the decade, because you mentioned Monster, but is that your favorite Kiss-related album from the decade? There were quite a few, you know, Ace Frehley, released a few, the Bruce Kulick album and others. Uh, is there a, an album that stands out? We, we also have the Eric Carr record as well. Uh, there, there are a few, but, but, but to me, it wasn't Monster that was the best album, even though I always applaud them for, for releasing new stuff, because I thought the Bruce Kulick album was really good. I, I think that's my favorite still. And when you say it's 10 years old, uh, it's, it doesn't feel like 10, like 10 years old. I, I mean, I still listen to it from time to time, and I I enjoy quite a few of the tracks. The one done by, by John Karabi, um, No Friend of Mine, and uh, I'm an Animal was a great track. Uh, and the, my favorite song is probably Dirty Girl. You know, we did it with the old Knack singer. I think it's just a, a, such a good pop song. So, so, so I'd say that's my favorite Kiss-related album from from this decade. I think the Eric Carr thing was a fun, fun album. Uh, I think he deserved to have something out there, and I like the 
all hell's breaking loose cover, even though it was pretty similar to, to the original. It was nice to hear. And, uh, of course, uh, his own song, which I always forget the name of. Um, uh, let's see now. It's the uh, Eyes of Love. Is it called that? The Eric Carr song. Yeah. Through the Eyes of Love. Yeah. I think that was a great song as well. Yeah, so, I, um, I, Eyes of Love, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Eyes of Love, a real cool song. And it's too bad it didn't end up on a Kiss album at some point. But um, so to me, it's Bruce Kulick and his BK3 album. Yeah, that's that's really tough because for me, it's all about Kiss, and Kiss's monster has long way down on it, um, which really is one of the most impressive songs that I, I never thought I would hear from a band in the twilight of their career. Just really good. But in terms of consistency, BK three hands down is probably the most consistent of any of the releases that have come out this decade, which uh, Doug Figer, as you mentioned, dirty girl, yeah. uh, but that whole first, I think first four songs Fate ain't gonna die with Gene. No friend of mine with John Karabi. Hand of the King. Nick Simmons of all things. And then you get into stuff like I'll Survive, which is about Bruce being shot on, I think the the Sunset Strip. Um, I'm the Animal. That was Tobias Samet. Um, mm. and Eric Singer's on drums on there. Mm. So just an absolutely amazing album. That's probably why I'm so sad that Bruce has yeah. not had a full solo release since then I'm, I'm hoping he's got something musically to say that comes out in 2020 and that this whole kiss cruise thing has kind of motivated him to go in there and make some music you know john crabby's not a member of um dead daisies anymore so i would still like to see some union reunion going on even though it's just there's no commercial point for it whatsoever but that's just because you know i love john karabi and bruce performing together that's just one of those things so i i think if anything if he can reinvent himself in a band project with the kulik guys so tom mm. kearns and whomever brent on on drums perhaps and someone else on bass then it would be really interesting to see where he could go. And it's not going to be any more successful than Union, more than likely. Oh, no. Unless he gets placement of a song with someone or somewhere, guest vocal, perhaps, like he did with Doug Fire. I mean, come on, mm. he had some great guest performances yes. on on that album. So, you know, why not do that again, but in a band context, maybe bring in a couple of these big piped young singers who have a lot of popularity. Stay away from Taylor Swift, for God's sake. Um, but have some crossover appeal. So you're still the Kulik Brother Band or whatever you want to call yourself and make some noise. Man, what a cool double bill it would be with Korabi doing the 94 album and the Kulik brothers doing their stuff for the Kulik band. That would be awesome to see, yeah. I always liked the Motley Crue album with John Korabi. Uh, uh -huh. yeah, I think it's one, one of the, one of the best records from, from, from that, you know, that era, 94, 95, somewhere around that. They managed to sound not as Kiss did with Carnivals of Soul, Carnival of Souls. I, I don't think they managed to uh, get it right, but but Marty Crew did a great album. Unfortunately, no one wanted to hear it, and no one went to the shows, and that was it. Well, no one appreciated it at the time. Yeah, and as I certainly didn't. When I went in and bought that first CD single, Hooligans Holiday, I was like, "What is this crap?" I did. I like it. I still hate that. I hate that song to this you day. You hate that song? I cannot stand it. You love the oath and you hate Hooligans Holiday. Man, I love you. I love the rest of the album. Give me Smoke the Sky. Give me Poison yeah, Apples. Give me yeah. 10,000 uh, Years or whatever it is. You know, the the Quaternary stuff as well. Um, dear, what is it? Father. So 
bittersweet. Even Planet Boom I like. So I like that era. I just don't like that one particular song. And it's just because in my playlist, there's like nine versions of it all the way up to 11 minutes long. And it's just, it's just, it goes on and on and on. I mean, it's as bad as my Aerosmith playlist, which has all these freaking remixes of Falling in Love is Hard on the Knees, like by Moby. And it just makes me hate the song. So. When you read interviews with Mick Mars, he seems to appreciate that album a whole lot, and he has it as one of his favorite Motley Crue albums of all time. But I guess he's kind of a guitar-oriented guy, and he liked the the twin guitars, you know, having another guitarist in the band, not having yeah, to. Yeah, but he he had his guitar yeah. tone again. He hadn't had a great guitar tone like yeah. that since Shout at the Devil. And that was where his guitars, for me anyway, sounded absolutely the best. Once, uh, you know, Theater of Pain, which is like neutered, mm. even if I do like some of the songs, um, Girls, Girls, Girls was very watered down production wise. Dr. Feelgood, it was starting to come back, but it yeah. was more about the harmonies and the songs than any particular performance. And then you get to 94, and I mean, his his sonics, his attack on his, his playing and having the benefit of a rhythm player and someone who wrote songs that were guitar-oriented songs with Nicky, you know, just made a complete difference. So, yeah, you know, there's a great, there's a great album, you know, what is it, MC94, live in Nashville, One Live Night, I think. Uh, yeah. Phil Schaus play on that? I think so, but... You know, it finally came true, you know, that Karabi went out and did that whole album. So hope he continues to do so. That would still be a great opening act. You know, if David Lee Roth doesn't work out. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Other albums that kind of stood out. I, I guess we got to talk about some of the Ace catalog because he's put out Space Invader, Origins Volume 1, Spaceman. Am I forgetting any? Um, that actually came out. So he's continued to put out a lot of albums. He's toured a lot. I've seen him six or seven times this decade. Actually, way more than that. Probably 10 or 15 times. Saw him three on the cruise on its own. Saw Fraley's Comet reunion. Saw, you know, stuff like that. And Four by Fate. So Ace has done really well. He surprised me. I think if I got to pick one of his albums, and that also includes Anomaly, I got to go with Space Invader. You know, mm. I think I like that one the best throughout Spaceman. Listened to a few times. It's good. It's not great, not spectacular, but I'm just glad again. I'm I'm very happy that Ace continues to make music and long may he do so. What about you? What do you think of uh, Ace's kind of output throughout the last 10 years? Uh it's awesome that he's put out a whole lot of records, but uh uh, there isn't any record that stands out to me. I, I like the um, the one. Which one is it now? Um, after an anomaly, uh, the, the next album was yeah, uh, Space Invader. Yeah, that's the same one as you said. Yeah, I think that one was the best one. And you had a few songs that was kind of remember rememberable. Uh, uh, the the title track and a few others. So I think that was a great album. After that, I think it's he's lost a little bit, and uh, he managed to do one or two good songs. But uh, and my biggest problem is I didn't think I would say this because I love his early and 80s solo stuff, um, guitar solo stuff. But I, I don't think he's uh, done a memorable guitar solo for quite a few records. It's like he's lost a little bit of his touch, uh, or maybe I've just uh, been bored by his uh, old tricks because he's he's not really doing anything new. He's just reusing his old stuff. But but I think he's lost some of the melodic style that he has in his early solos, like the solo from Deuce or Parasite or. Or, or that kind of stuff. I haven't heard a lot of that because that was what was what I was looking forward to, hearing those menacing solos that you could sing afterwards. You know, there were like songs in the song people say, um, but I don't think I can sing a single Ace Frehley song 
solo from probably the last decade. I haven't listened to the albums a whole lot, but but um, it, it actually struck me that uh, he, he he can't do it anymore. The same, not the same way, in my opinion. No. No, most of his solos just seem to be here's a few of my acisms. Lazy. It seems a bit lazy, I would say. He's got his little bag of tricks that have always yeah. been part, but where they were yeah. fresh and new and dynamic, you know, they they don't really develop. So he just throws no, but, something here, something there, and mm, none of it's all. Yeah, it's, no, it's not. It's not thought through, is it? It's not like it, I don't think it puts in enough work into his solos anymore because i mean strutter plays the same note like 14 times in a row and it sounds fantastic so it doesn't have to be advanced but uh, you have to give it some thought and work on it not just to put something on the record so i think that's too bad that could have actually made the records a whole lot better if he put in that effort but but i guess it didn't and he seems to be the lazy kind of guy you know in interviews, he even says it himself that he doesn't like to work a whole lot, and you have to work on the solos, I think. Yeah, and you know what? I'm gonna just congratulate Ace on a decade of sobriety. You know, he's been yes, sober of this whole decade. He's gotten himself a lot more fit. I know yes. people sometimes look at him and say, "Well, he's looking a bit big." Hey, he's vertical, he's sober, and he's making music and showing up on time. Every show I've seen has started on time, not after midnight. Mm. So he may yeah. be lazy, but he's still getting yeah. the work done. What a turnaround! What a turnaround! I, I never, I thought it would be dead by now. Uh, watching him in the late '80s, some interviews, you know, being drunk and. Uh, after all the crashes with the cars and everything, but uh, he turned it around. I don't know what, what did it. He mentions that his daughter had something to do with it at, at one point, that she, she told him, like, you have to stop or something. And I guess that, that's one of the things that made him, you know, reconsider his lifestyle. Yeah, maybe it was, uh, who was it, Timey Down, Faster Pussycat, who was, I think, told that his liver was going to explode or something. You know, whatever. You know, Ace is, Ace is to be acknowledged, and that's why I get so upset when, you know, his addictions of the past are mentioned in current yeah. interviews, because it really disrespects the effort and the challenge that it is for him to fight that battle day by day. So keep doing it. I, You know, going back to Eric Carr, we've, we've had one and uh, another one soon coming so unfinished business of course was the album that came out which had a you know some of it was rough demo quality some covers and then you know just more of the archive you know all of that is good and i hope that continues to be the case rockologists rockology edition is coming out on vinyl for those people who still care about vinyl and it's nice to see you know, a lot of these independent record producers, because my wax are doing their Space Invader on foil cover and slip sleeve. You know, so there's a lot of things that are going on. E1 did their own special ones as well. So it's great to see all of these people continuing to put out product for fans. And I think that's going to be kind of the theme that continues into 2020 into the run towards the end of the road itself. So, you know, in this decade, we've had a ton of music. We've had all these albums by Ace, one by Bruce, one by Kiss. Of course, there was also the Samurai Sun garbage um, that has not aged. Well, I listened to that the other day and I was just shuddering going okay well you know what it was an opportunity that came along it's like as bad as cinderella doing a hot dog theme in 1984 or something but um you know, Gene Simmons dumped a whole vault load of material on mm -hmm. us, which is now out there for everyone. So there's not been a shortage of music. I don't think we could complain. I think we could certainly complain about the lack of official videos. All that, you know, what's come out? Kiss Rocks Vegas, which took yeah. two, two years after the event to come mm -hmm. out. Kissology has not continued. That's been something that has been missed. Whether or yeah. not they, they actually have anything left that's worthy of release is a different question, but I know this lineup has recorded stuff. Uh, 2004, Monterey, they said they were filming, and I guess that might be the key they said. Um, mm. I would certainly like to see more video projects coming out. 
Yeah. And I don't know, were you on the board today and did you see the post yeah, I saw that. about yeah. the documentary? Yeah, that seems really interesting. Uh, they had re, re uh, made replicas of the early guitars, you know, that one that Paul Stanley had stolen back in 74, 75, somewhere there. And <laughs> I don't know what the hell they were going to do with that, but uh, it sure is interesting. What do you think they will do? Well, they, I mean, they, are, they are working they been, on a biopic. You know, yeah. But are they going to put that guitar on Paul Stanley and make him try to look like back in? I don't know what they will do. With They're going to put it on the actor portraying Paul Stanley so that it correctly portrays Paul circa 1974. Yeah. That, that was his go-to guitar until they went to Los Angeles. It's in his book. It's in uh, quite a few of the things. Uh, yeah, the yeah. first week of the sessions for Hotter Than Hell, it got stolen from the studio. And Charlie Laboo was a luthier who made Gene's original bass that he then, I think it was uh, like wood grained in its earliest carnation. Then he later painted it black uh, and did all sorts of stuff. But Paul's, of course, got stolen. So they had a guy who made a miniature version of it. And Jim Cara, who I think, believe owns the... Laboo name now and the rights to those guitars from uh, the Laboo estate created one and went and presented it to Paul and Paul thought that someone had finally found his beloved 1973 <laughs> uh, Laboo V and that's how good a job he did and of course yeah. you know nearly 50 years uh, without it you won't remember every detail about it but I you know I think that's so cool uh, yeah it's, it's cool it's, it's awesome it's, it's, yeah, it's so cool, but it's also so typical Kiss, you know, one or two years all after everyone else are doing stuff, they do it as well. So let's hope it's a good one and let's hope the trends, the trend keep on that people want to see these biopics because there are quite a few out there. So they need to get this finished if they want to have anyone watching it, I think. Uh, yeah, I just I just hope it, yeah. it doesn't have the same effect at the dirt. I think they can learn a lot from how Motley Crue did theirs. But also, I don't want five years from now, you know, for them to no. finally be finished with this biopic. Too late. And, and all of a sudden say, well, you know, now we're going to do our 50th anniversary tour. Um, get it done yeah. now. And it sounds it sounds like they're working on it pretty hard, yeah. which would be but really it, interesting. It's really interesting to see how much Paul and Jean are involved in this one. I guess a lot, and that can uh, make it a pretty. You know, uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how how they will portray Ace and Peter. Let's hope they do it respectfully, so they don't take a jab at them once for a, for a final time. You know, uh, and well, we talked about this biopic thing before, and to me, it's always I, I've always hoped that Paul and Jean wouldn't be involved. Maybe to a lesser extent, but um, they have kind of a warped view of how they will, they want to portray Kiss. And uh, they're not going for the truth. They're going for, you know, portraying the big, mighty Kiss. And I guess when you read a book like yeah, Kiss and Cell, it's been like that forever. I mean, that that's probably my favorite Kiss book. Yeah. Uh, when that, when they paint the picture of being huge, being great, being uh, super kiss when they really wasn't uh, that bad. And I think that stuck with, with both these guys, both Yin and Paul portray, wants to, want to portray themselves as this, uh, you know, bigger than life personas. Uh, and uh, at times, at least to me, it seems like Paul has some sort of megalomania thing going on with himself. Uh, so hopefully it will be kind of truthful and not the Gene and Paul story. We'll see. No chance. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> we'll see. But 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 if they are involved, it can be a pretty dull movie. I think that's the problem. Yeah. The downside is the victors write history. Yeah. And they, of course, are the principals who stayed in the band and owned yeah. the band and controlled the band even from the earliest days. So I just hope that they are gentle with Ace and Peter, and I have no hopes of them actually doing so. They're, you know, 
because there's just too much. And you can read about it in Peter's book as well. If they take the stuff Peter put in his own damn book, then I think <laughs> they can at least say, well, you said it yourself. But I just don't see them. They write their own version of history and yeah. they write the other guys out sometimes. It feels. And I don't know what Ace and Peter think about it all. I, I just wish that they could like, call them and say, hey, we're doing this. What's the one thing that you really want to have in there? You know, yeah. what, you know, in, involve them without giving them any editorial rights or anything, saying we're doing this no, no matter what. Is there one thing that you think we have to have in there that represents you? Won't yeah. happen. I just wish they, they focus on the, uh, the rise to fame and maybe end it somewhere around – you know, 77 or 78, somewhere around there, that would be a real cool picture. I like to see them focus on the struggle, the disrespect, yeah. the yeah. the challenges, because it wasn't yeah. easy. I'd love for them to write about the scene. You know, why was Kiss playing at the Daisy and, you know, only at the Coventry when the Dolls were doing the Mercer Arts, uh, you know, what was it, CG, CG whatever the place where blondie later played can't even say it um max's kansas city all these other places where these gigantic bands came out of the glitter scene you know why was kiss not a part of their own hometown other than a few shows and very few shows at the coventry and then out in amityville for nearly everything else yeah and they didn't uh, play that many shows so yeah there are quite a few problems they could focus on. You know, Paul Stanley's uh, uh, need for psychiatry and his, uh, you know, being feeling alone. Uh, Gene Simmons is uh, abusing his sex appeal or whatever you can say, you know. Uh, and, uh, of course, the struggles of Peter and Ace with drugs and alcohol. Uh, they need to put some of the dirt into the film and not make it a glossy super kiss film because that will be so lame no and it has to re respect the road crew the, that that original kiss crew who created the effects yeah. that you know were critical Lewis. for for them getting um recognition blowing hands off you yeah. know come on moose's fingers all over the stage basically peter chris's exploding drumsticks setting jim dandy's curtain on fire you know th there's a yeah. lot of a there's lot of a lot. elements that could be condensed down into it that if you then take it as it's a biopic not a historical documentary and enjoy it for the elements that are represented, you know, hanging out with the guys from Rush with bag on the head and, you know, the hijinks on the road. Uh, what was it? Sean Delaney uh, against like the, the Southern guys who didn't like those Northern freaks. Uh, Bill O'Coin, Neil Bogert. I mean, there's a lot of it. Uh, so they need really to pick one, what they want to, what story they want to tell. But if I would have to take a guess, I would say that they would try to make it like some sort of super kiss uh, film where they try to put a whole lot of music into it and then they can sell an album after <laughs> after the film has been produced. Maybe. Maybe they'll write yeah. a new song for it. Yeah, maybe. Motley Crue had some good, great success with some of their new, new songs that they wrote for, for The Dirt and see you can see where it led you know they i i think the reunion ha, that is happening now uh, is directly a, a result of that movie they did yeah yep so maybe they'll do won't get fooled again finally in the studio because of course they went to a who show um and that could be a good yeah. starting point kisses yeah. oh, yeah. playing all right, let's leave that there. That's a little bit of a recap of the last 10 years and of 2019 itself. Just some random topics that we could just get together and do a lighthearted episode today. Not a lot of seriousness here. You know, it's nearly 2020, a new decade. Oh, we're into the 20s. God, going to have to start doing some weird dances. <laughs>
and they're just a little bit more than a month away from heading back out on the road. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff coming in 2020, a lot that we don't know, a lot that is yet to be publicized. So I think it's going to be an exciting year when we look back at 2019. There's little there's been a little bit of everything for everyone other than proper video releases. So at least someone let out some video for Kiss fans right at the end of the year. So it wasn't a complete bust. Now mm. go on to YouTube, watch that Bruce Kulik performance from the cruise again. Get a big old smile on your face. Daniel, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Let's, let's leave that here today, and we'll see the rest of you in 2020. Have a happy new year, and we'll see you soon. So bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.